we've talked a lot about this in between media this season. There's going to be curveballs coming your way. Hate's a strong word. I dislike Kirk Cousins more than probably any other quarterback. And I get a little bit of that rookie-itis, you know? I would have said, I would love some of what you're Even smoking. though I'm straight, I'm still stuck between an interpretation, what it all means. Can I make a difference for something different? My mind in prison, then I saw the vision. Played the field, it's no competition. Found success through the repetition. If it's impossible, stick to the mission. I'm just cruising through, I'm way to get it. I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. All right, welcome in everyone. This is the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Wolcock. If you're joining us today, you're looking for some feel-good life advice and some mediocre fantasy football advice. I'm joined by two of my very best friends, two of the up-and-coming names within this industry, Nate Polvo and Scott Reinier. Guys, happy season three pilot, baby. Let's go. Excited to be here, man. I'm ready. 2021. Can you believe we made it to 2021? We got a whole football season and a Super Bowl. I'm not going to say it was a good Super Bowl, but it was a Super Bowl. Absolutely. Yeah, I was pretty shocked. I didn't I didn't think it was going to last a whole – I mean, especially with all the, the early – COVID issues in the first quarter of the season. I mean, yeah. I needed it. I needed football so bad. Real quick shout out to all the team doctors, all the people they brought in specifically for COVID tracking and COVID quarantine and all that kind of stuff. A lot of work going on behind the scenes that made us be able to have our fun. All of us Justin Herbert fans, a special shout out to that uh, Sander Chargers team doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Got him in the starting lineup week two. Absolutely, guys. It really was a crazy 2020 uh, year in general and a fantasy football season as well. Um, if you're new to In Between Media, uh, we specialize in bridging fantasy football advice and fantasy sports advice as a whole with life advice. So we're going to be here. We're going to be breaking down uh, everything that happens from the off offseason uh, on into the regular season. Uh, we'll be here every Wednesday night. You can find us and the podcast version of this show available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Deezer, all those big ones. Uh, you can find it there on Fridays as well. So, guys, it, it's been a roller coaster ride of just a, a, an entire six months or so since we've been afloat here at In Between Media. It's been about a month since we've been podcasting, uh, doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff, trying to get this really a, as good as we can. Um, Why don't we start by just kind of going around the room, everyone introduce yourselves a little bit to our listeners as we might have some new ones out there tonight. Well, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, What's up, guys? I am Nate Paulvote. It's politics and vote. If you've ever wondered how to say my last name, I know you look at it and you're like, what? Uh, Nate, I have people call me Mr. P. They're trying to say my name like at doctor's offices. They're like, Mr. P, Nate P. So that's how you say it. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Janate Jack FF, obviously, writing with in between media. Um, I'm just kind of a guy who loves football in general. 
Um, I don't live in sunny California. I live in generally cold and crappy Colorado. Just happened to be catching me in Palm Springs with my family for a little bit. Um, and I'm really excited that we're starting up again this year, man. Like, ready to go. It's been far too long since I've been on camera with you guys. I miss it. I had no idea I was going to miss it so much. Like, I still talk to you guys every day. But, like, I don't get to see your pretty faces all the time. And I miss it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Uh, Nate, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show, as always. Scott, what's good, man? Yeah, like Nate said, well, first of all, uh, my name's Scott, and it's pronounced rye near. So it's like rye bread and then near not far. Um, you can find me mainly on Twitter at MunderDifflinFF. Spend a lot of time on Twitter, as a lot of you know. Um, also, dabbling a little bit with Instagram. So I've got a few accounts on Instagram because I accidentally created two and I'm just going with it. Yeah, I'm in, uh, you can see the raindrops on my window. I'm in Seattle. That's where I've been most of my life. Um, we got a snowstorm coming this weekend though. So I'm excited about that because we never get snow here. So, and yeah, like Nate said, I'm just, I'm fired up. I'm fired up for this off season, uh, for, for next season made a bunch of new connections and new friends here and it's just been great. So I'm excited. Absolutely. Uh, super excited to have you both on this entire season. Those of you who have listened to the podcast in the past, um, we still have a, a great staff behind us who's going to be pumping out content. Uh, you can find all our columns at inbetweenmedia.com. As Scott and Nate said, we're, we're on Twitter most of the time. So if you want to interact with us, our DMs are always open. If you have any questions, um, if you're ever struggling with anything in life, we're always available to talk. So we appreciate all the support so far. Those of you who do not know me, my name is Seth Woolcock. I'm 22 years old. I'm the founder of In Between Media. I'm also a communication strategist at Penn State University here in the good old Happy Valley. So uh, super excited to be back here on the podcast. And really the basis of this podcast, guys, if you're looking for a podcast that's going to strictly help you win your league and that's it, you can tune everything else out in the world, that's not going to be us. Keep scrolling. Uh, we're going to be here Every week, we're going to break down what's going on in the NFL. But more than that, we're going to talk about the things that most other fantasy football podcasts don't talk about. We're going to talk about things that have happened in our past, things happening in the world right now. That's just how we are. We want to be super authentic with you guys, and we hope you're authentic with us as well. Um, I've been through a lot in my life, and I know Nate and Scott are, are right on board with that as well. So we want to share these experiences that we've been through. You know, I, I was lucky enough to make it out of some pretty bad situations and really learn and grow from it. And this podcast is part of that. So uh, we hope you continue to learn and continue to grow with us. Um, and with that said, guys, I think it's time to uh, talk a little bit of fantasy football. And uh, why don't we get into one of my favorite sections of the show, Headline Hijinks. <laughs> And on Headline Hijinks this week, we're going to be talking about our top fantasy takeaway since the last time we've talked. So the month of January and early February, a lot's kind of happened in the league. Some big trades have gone down. We saw an epic postseason uh, that, of course, ended with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl uh, against all odds. So I'm going to go ahead and, and start with my Headline Hijinks for uh, our first episode here, and that's Playoff Lenny. 2021's early redemption story. No, I 
So if you were like me in a league and maybe you drafted before Leonard Fournette got cut by Jacksonville last year, uh, you know, you probably took Fournette somewhere near his ADP and he damn near blew your entire season up with one draft pick, one click of the button. Uh, he obviously finished the season as RB 35, struggled with injuries a lot, was not really consistent the entire season until really the end of it. Um, here we have Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, as he's been called the last couple of weeks. He steps up in the postseason, averaged about 75 yards per game, 4.5 receptions, and a touchdown per game. So it, it was really exciting to see. And I, I don't think that the Buccaneers win this Super Bowl without playoff Lenny. And obviously, as time has come, he's up for to get paid. Gentlemen, how are you feeling about playoff Lenny moving forward? And are you as excited as I am? I'm not as excited as you. Um, so here's here's one comparison I've seen thrown around. I don't necessarily agree this is apples to apples, but people are saying, well, remember C.J. Anderson. When he came in and dominated the playoffs and then, you know, built up this built up this value and then really didn't do much after that. I'm not going that far. I, I agree that I think Fournette has – he's definitely got gas left in the tank. Um, my issue with – this kind of catching fire in the playoffs is it tends to mask what happened in the regular season with Leonard Fournette. Um, now, granted, the, the Buccaneers had Fournette and Ronald Jones, who both are somewhat similar and both can't really catch. So it, it was kind of an odd pairing with the two of them. And it was pretty unpredictable who was going to get the run, especially with Bruce, Bruce Arians. But I see it as... Um, you know, the cliche depends on landing spot, but he could be, he could be very valuable depending if he, if he goes to the right place and he's given, you know, he's given the keys to the backfield, but I'm not, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not overreacting. I'm not saying, okay, we're back to first and second year Leonard Fournette just because of what he did in the playoffs. You know, I'm one of the things I'm doing as I try to improve as a you know content provider is it's that recency bias, like that recency bias is, it is tough to shake, you know, and this is the last thing people are, you know, last football action people saw was Leonard Fournette just going to town in the Super Bowl, getting a ring. So cautiously excited. That's my, that's how I'll summarize it. Yeah, I think I'm about the same. The CJ Anderson comparison isn't fair. I mean, CJ Anderson wasn't drafted. He was an undrafted free agent. The Broncos signed caught fire with a good offensive line and a good offense not near the caliber and yeah he I mean he lit it up in the playoffs but he also had a really good season that year that the Broncos won the Super Bowl he played really well the entire season he had a thousand yards two years in a row with the Broncos Leonard Fournette I think his expectations are, are up here he was a first round pick I remember when he was at LSU and he had like what was it like four consecutive 300 yard games his freshman year it's like who is this guy and he just never he's he just has he hasn't lived up to that in the NFL, but he hasn't been on a team that's really allowed him to be himself. Jacksonville hasn't been good. And good players can't excel on bad offenses, especially when that offensive line is bad. They got a little bit better. We saw what James Robinson was capable of in that offense. But I think that Fournette in the right system, he's a great running back. In the right role, he can't be the number one guy. And that's why I'm not as excited about him going into next season. 
because he needs to find a place where he's he's got a complimentary back. And he had Ronald Jones and at times Keyshawn Vaughn to where he wasn't the guy that the defense focused on. If he be, if he goes to a system where he becomes that guy, forget about it. I don't want him. Like I'm not even taking him as a seventh, eighth, ninth round running back. I don't I just don't see where there's value there because he can't be that guy. He's not durable enough. Does that make sense? The durability, uh, you know, that claim, Nate, is super valid, and I, I appreciate that insight. That's definitely been one of the biggest issues with Leonard Fournette throughout his young career has has been that ineffectiveness to stay healthy throughout the longevity of, a, of an NFL season. So I hear that, Scott. I hear you about not wanting to overreact too much, uh, you know, according to the playoffs, because I mean, we saw Raheem Mostert. He lit it up last season. You know, Damian Williams, two years in a row, lit it up, and, and he hasn't really produced for fantasy. So – I totally understand what, what you're saying, but he's a guy that, you know, if he lands in the right system, let's say Pittsburgh, let's say Buffalo, those are two of the, the places who don't have a ton of cap room, but could afford a guy like Leonard Fournette if he's willing to take a team-friendly deal. Maybe he ends but, back up in Tampa, but I mean, I, I feel like overall, he's a guy, I mean, if he can average four and a half reception, if he can average 75 yards a game, you know, score TDs here and there. I, I right. think he's definitely going to be worth that that you know mi- middle round pick that you might be having to spend on him. Well, and I agree. So here would be my question. So let's say he goes to Pittsburgh. So then is it him and Snell? Him and McFarland? Like who are you looking at? Who's who's the one two punch if he goes to Pittsburgh? You know, I I, I think it's Len- Lenny's backfield at that point. It's Lenny's backfield, and then you're going to see a combination of both Snell and McFarland. Snell outside of his goal line work has not looked really well uh, over the last year or two. And Anthony McFarland, he has some bursts, but he's still got some off off the field and character issues he needs to deal with as well. So, I mean, I I can't put any chips into those guys. I mean, obviously, if you have him on the end of your dynasty roster, you're not cutting him. But I I really think that Leonard Fournette, he's a better pass catcher than we think. Yeah, you know, he doesn't have great hands, but he's not Jordan Howard. Like, Like, the guy can catch passes and... You know, he was dynamic for a team that needed him down the stretch. And you know, he played with Tom Brady and he made it work. And that says something about him. Okay, so here's what I'll say. I agree with what you're saying, but if he's the feature back, I don't like it. Because, I mean, really, honestly, we were looking at Ronald Jones as as much of a legitimate feature back in that offense as we were Letty, right? I mean, yeah. it was pretty split. And Fournette just excelled there. I don't think he can excel if he has to be the guy. And I think that's why Jacksonville let him go because they were looking for the guy. And that was James Robinson. It's understandable. I, I understand your claim. I don't want to take up all our podcast tonight with Lenny Fournette talk. <laughs> so we'll move, we'll move forward here. Um, Scott, what, what is your headline hijinks of, of, you know, since the last time we've talked, I've got, I've got two things basically to talk about one real quick. Um, so I've been that basically most of this last 10, 15 years, um, I've been the guy that doesn't like Tom Brady because he's winning. I've been that petty fan who just doesn't like the success. You know, I mean, it runs in my blood. I don't like the Yankees. You know, I don't like the Patriots. I don't like teams that win all the time for some reason. Um, and I don't really know what it was other than, I'll admit it. It was pettiness. The the loss, the Seahawks loss in the Super Bowl did not help. But I decided in this playoff and Super Bowl stretch that I'm kind of over it. I think Tom Brady, I might not like him off the field for whatever reason, but 
you can't argue with it anymore. There's just, there's no arguing with it anymore. Like he went to the NFC first, first year in the NFC with a new team, took that team to a Super Bowl victory. Um, seventh in his career, 10th Super Bowl appearance. Yeah. He had a few close, close wins that could have gone the other way, but he also had a few close losses that could have gone the other way. Yeah. So, I mean, his, his, his record speaks for itself. So that's just a little bit of a kind of a admission on my part. I'm kind of done with it. Um, I'm just, I respect him as a football player, can't argue with his record. So that's one thing I wanted to mention. Um, second thing, what I called it in the show sheet is, uh, quote, making February great again. And what I meant by that is, for me personally, this is my first year making the jump to Dynasty Fantasy Football. Um, and typically in February, especially this first week after the Super Bowl, I'm just looking around like, do I really have to wait until next summer to start thinking about fantasy football again? Sure, there's a part of me that is like, okay, it's time to take a break. But for anybody out there who is thinking about playing in Dynasty, hasn't done it yet, or you're in your first year, or whatever it might be, me personally, it has been so much fun. I mean, I'm only, I've finished one startup draft and I'm in the middle of another one. That's all. That's the experience I have in Dynasty at this point, other than my own research and talking to people and reading articles. But man, it's fun. And it just, it shows me like, I feel like when it comes to fantasy football, I enjoy all of the stuff in between the games more so than the actual games at this point. Because I mean, for one, the actual games is when you get to see how wrong you are about everything. <laughs> yeah. But in the middle, I just, I love all that analysis. I love all the back and forth discussion, the researching statistics. I love all that. And that's what dynasty football offseason is all about, right? Um, I've never really paid attention that much to the incoming rookies, you know, other than like, oh, that guy's probably going to be a flashy running back. I'll look to draft him in the fifth round of my redraft. Now I'm actually watching film and, you know, paying attention to people in this industry who know what they're talking about when it comes to dynasty. There's lots of them. So yeah, that's just, I mean, really to anybody that is thinking about it, you know, thinking, cause for me, for a long time, it was, oh, I don't want to learn something new and I don't want to be, I don't want to do something that I'm not good at. Cause then I have to go through that portion of it, not being good at it. And that's stressful and that's uncomfortable. But I've, you know, decided to just forget about all that. Like uh, my first startup in the, in the second round, I made a trade that was absolutely ridiculous and the league was nice enough to reverse it. And, you know, I fell on my sword. Like, I don't know what I'm doing guys, but that's just how it works, right? That's how you learn how to, how to do things. So I'm kind of trying to focus on it as really enjoying that learning process and looking at those mistakes as lessons as opposed to, you know, that self-conscious, I'm not intelligent place my brain sometimes goes. So so anyway, um, like I said, I'm fired up for the offseason because I have a bunch of fantasy football homework to do. So that's the best kind of it's the best kind of homework, Scott. Um, it is. And, and I'm with you, man. Like, like this is the time in your dynasty leagues. I know we're traditionally not a dynasty fantasy football podcast, but because it's the off season, we're obviously going to talk about it. And like, this is the time to be hungry. This is the time that everyone else in your league, especially in redraft, they, like you said, they're taking a break. They, you know, they're going hands off. And this is when you win your league. 
This is the time of year. You go hard. You start pouring over film. Where were you right? Where were you wrong in 2020? How can you adjust moving forward? So, Scott, I'm with you 100%, man. Let's make February great again, baby. I, I appreciate that, Scott. We're super excited to, uh, you know, getting get in some more dynasty discussion over the next couple of weeks. Um, we're going to be here all off season, as we've talked about. Uh, we're going to go every other week. We're going to bring in some uh, bigger names in the industry and talk a little bit about their lives, their fantasy football experience, what they're expecting from 2021. Um, and, and speaking of 2021, guys, I think it's time that we get into uh, our temperature check. Temperature check. That's really spicy. Holy s***. This is another uh, fan favorite segment that we're bringing back for 2021. And in today's temperature check, I want to talk about our top 12 consensus ranks for next season. Um, obviously, this is the only the top 12, so we're not going to be uh, breaking down barriers or anything like that. Um, we're going to really be talking about these top guys that we honestly don't get to talk about too much on this show because it's so oversaturatedly talked about. So, um, Nate, do you want to kick us off for our uh, for our, our consensus ranks here and, and get, give out our uh, our first place, uh, our 101 pick, if you would? Yeah, sure. All right. So, and I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anybody. Um, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, even with the injury, I don't think you can argue that talent-wise, he, he's, still, he's still the best hybrid back in football. Like, there's no, is there a question, even with the injury? No, no. I mean, when you look back at Christian McCaffrey's 2020, it was certainly super disappointing from the injury perspective as we're playing this game. Is he going to come back? Should I hold on to him? Should I trade him? And I saw someone almost win a redraft league by trading Christian McCaffrey, I think in about week seven or, or so after holding on to him for a couple of weeks and trading for like James Robinson and, and Allen Robinson. So, uh, you know, I, I've seen uh, this play out. And and we see, looking back at that season, though, guys, he was still the, the number one running back in points per game. Obviously, it was it was less than five games, so he's going to be uh, mauled out of a lot of those stats there. But, you know, he had a, a great season when he was on the field. Matt Roll's back. Matt Roll seems to be a really impressive young coach. And Joe Brady's back. I was really surprised that Joe Brady uh, wasn't picked up by another team. Me too. I really thought for sure he was going to get a head coaching gig. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, for me, it wasn't. I mean, the top three, I think, in our rankings, really the top four, you're going to be happy with any of them. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit difficult to cycle them around. But Christian McCaffrey, I mean, the problem with Christian McCaffrey, I think, is the opposite of recency bias. You know, it's the, it's like it's been a while, itis, you know, him and Saquon. It's like, you don't have that fresh dominant stud season in your mind. So there may, might be a little bit of a hesitance. Like, is he still RB one to me? He is. I mean, you can look at what he did. He got hurt. You know, his injury wasn't some sort of soft tissue thing. That's nags him his whole career. His first two years in first two years in the league, he played all 16 games. Um, and what he did in 2019, I mean, you know, he was RB one by a long ways. You know, yeah, in 2019. And again, we're just to clarify, we're talking full PPR here. Um, and I mean, he was third all time in yards from scrimmage. He was so, I mean, you go back to 2018, it was the same deal. I mean, he 
he lost out to Saquon Barkley in 2018 as the RB1 by 0.3 points, three yards. That's how close it was. That's total total points, not per game. Injuries are always going to be there in your head. Um, but I think with both him and Saquon, you know, obviously if you have a massive injury like that, you are concerned about them coming back at full strength. But as far as it becoming like injury plagued or this concern of injury all the time, those types of injuries don't do that for me. So I, I think he's, he's clearly the number one. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Uh, you know, it's consensus here. Everyone said he's the 101 despite the injury this season. Moving down our list here, we got Dalvin Cook at the 102. And Dalvin Cook, you know, there was a lot of uh, skepticism coming into this last year. The contract issue was not resolved by draft time. So he, he fell into a lot of drafts. And whoever drafted him in 2020 was handsomely rewarded by another great season for Dalvin Cook. I mean, the man puts up 1,557 yards. 16 rushing touchdowns, add 44 receptions and another TD through the air. Like Dalvin Cook is super solid. Obviously, you know, there's going to be some changes in Minnesota. There's some Kirk Cousins rumors flying around that he might be on the move. Gary Kubiak, he exits. His son takes over the reins of play calling there in Minnesota. Uh, do you guys have any concerns about Dalvin Cook this year? Or is it kind of, you know, full send with him once again after back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons and dominating fantasy performances. You know, I would have been concerned if Alexander Madison had looked better when Dalvin Cook was hurt, but he didn't. And they yeah. didn't use it. I mean, they tried to use him, I guess. He wasn't great. I don't think it matters who the quarterback is. I think they're – I mean, it's like, okay, Adrian Peterson <clears throat> in his prime. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter who the quarterback was. It didn't matter who the other running backs were. None of that mattered because AP was a freak. And I think Dalvin, guys like Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, like it doesn't matter. You could you could bring Trent Dilfer out of retirement to be the quarterback in Minnesota or Carolina, and either one of those guys are going to get close to it, two thousand yards. Doesn't matter. There's the talents there, which is why they're our top two. Scott, you were you were really high on Alvin Kamara, who comes in at our 103. Obviously, there's uh, you know a, a lot of unknown right now in in New Orleans. We don't know Drew Brees. What we're thinking isn't going to be back. He hasn't made an official decision as of yet. But uh, are are you concerned at all with Alvin Kamara, or you know it, it seems like you aren't with how you ranked him? I'm not. Um... I look at I look at him in two different ways. Uh, you know, I, I was concerned during the season when Taysom Hill came in, just because it was an unknown. And you know, Kamara he thrives on receptions out of the backfield as that dual purpose guy. Um, but at the end of the day, he was RB one. Mm-hmm. He would and okay, yeah. In week sixteen, he had six touchdowns in a game, right? So yeah. much like Tyler Lockett's huge game, those types of games can skew that season long average. Okay, reduce those six touchdowns to one touchdown in that game, he's still the RB1 by 10 points over Dalvin Cook. So that right there, I mean, you talk about receivers being QB proof. Um, He had 83 receptions. The the three previous years, he had 81 each year, which, I mean, talk about consistency. But he had 83 this year. So, you know, there was a dip when Taysom first took over. Um, I feel like it improved after Taysom was actually – part of the system on a weekly basis. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. 
Um, I mean, third and short says Taysom is the 101, so he thinks that he's going to be the starter, apparently. But um, I don't really think it matters with Kamara. Uh, he He's just – his talent and being the focal point of that offense, I think it's going to win out. Like, he could easily be the RB1 next year. That's where that's where that was my point with these top five guys. Any of them could be the could be the RB one next year. Um, one thing that was interesting when I was looking at Kamara, I mean, it, it's not that surprising. He doesn't have a thousand yard rushing season yet. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but he doesn't have to. He catches the ball. No, I know he doesn't have to. I just you know, I just, that, is, that is that is crazy. Yeah. So I'm yeah I'm still high on him. I just think he's he's quarterback proof. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you, Scott. You know, I, I doubted him a little bit coming into this last season. Ended up actually in the Scott Fishbowl drafting Zeke Elliott uh, one spot before him. So, you know, ate a little bit of dirt on that one. That wasn't great. Maybe could have uh, won the league or, you know, at least advanced farther if if you swap those two out. But either way, you know, I, I think when you look at both of these guys, Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook, like they're really interchangeable here at the 102 and the 103. Like, you're going to get a stud either way. We had them actually tied in our consensus ranks for that second spot. Um, obviously, Dalvin Cook had a couple higher second place votes, but overall, um, you know, they just paid these guys. Like, you don't just pay running backs not to use them. So, you know, they paid them big bucks. They invested heavily, and I think it's going to pay off for fantasy owners that do the same here. Nate, do you want to go ahead and introduce our 104 here in our ranks? So 104, we've got Derek Henry. I wonder about his durability a little bit, just the way that um, Vrabel likes to use him. But I think that that concern probably doesn't kick in for me until 2022, maybe yeah. 2023 in redraft. I mean, he may he. He's a big part, I think, of why Tannehill has had a resurgence. What do you guys think? I would, I mean, I would agree. Anytime you have a running back like that, um, I mean, they have to, the defense is going to have to game plan against that in some way that they would not have to if it was some scrub. Um, right. No, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't watch enough film or know enough to be like, oh, there was eight in the box this percentage of the time, which freed up, you know, a lot of one on one coverage. Not, I'm just, kind of speculating that that is the logical place it goes when you have someone like Henry. I do have some dur dur durability concerns. I mean, he's, uh, he's, I guess I'm calling it the triple crown. He's led in attempts, yards, and touchdowns the last two seasons and rushing yards per game. So 300 plus attempts each year. Um, doesn't really catch that many passes, but you know, that, that 300 number, over a course of years, that tends to be a number you look at and get worried about durability. But I, I would agree with you, Nate. I'm not worried in 2021. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried yet. Um, partly because what my eyes see are this massive human running through defenses like a knife through butter, <laughs> so effortless, yep. so so like um, deceptively fast. Just, I mean, he does not look like he's running very fast. And then you look at you know, the miles per hour that he ran a, a long touchdown. And you're like, he's, he's a top five speed. In the yeah. League. When he's, yeah. When he's running through the line, he breaks through and he gets up, he gets behind. Like, well, and I mean, he's, he's the first guy on this list where it's not at all based on the passing game at all. Right. He not does all. not catch many passes. 
Now, granted, he's had a few really long TD receptions in his yeah. career, but he doesn't he doesn't catch many passes. Um, if he did, oh my god, but he doesn't. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not concerned about him yet. I think I mean he. I had him on a few teams this year, and it was just one of those guys. You set it and forget it. You just you put him in your lineup, and you know it's going to be a good game. You know he was kind of like pre Super Bowl Chiefs, where you know maybe in the first half it didn't seem like, seem like he was doing much, but then he just poured it on. And by the end, much like the Chiefs in most of their games when they would win, he would have a hundred yards and a touchdown, like clockwork. So personally, in battling between the four and the five spot with him and our number five, which we'll get to, but. It's super interesting what you guys are saying. You know, obviously there is that cliff coming at some point for Derrick Henry with taking so much abuse over the last couple of years. But again, I, I'm not counting on it in 2021, baby. Like, no. like obviously there are some unanswered questions here in the Titans offense. Um, Corey Davis is a unrestricted free agent right now. Chances are, I don't think he's going to be back because he had his best season ever. And I think he's going to go try to get paid somewhere. But so we know two things for sure about this offense. Derrick Henry, he's going to see, uh, you know, high 200 plus, maybe 300 carries again. And A.J. Brown, he's going to be targeted probably even heavier. Uh, obviously, A.J. Brown didn't make our top 12 ranks, so we'll talk about him later on. But Mike Vrabel is a great coach. Ryan Tannehill's proven himself uh, two years in a row now. So I, mm -hmm. I think you can be, feel more comfortable with Derrick Henry as a top four guy. And uh, how about we unroll our, our top five guy here? Um he was a player who, you know, super hyped up coming into another season. Uh, he's actually a, a, a we are guy, hashtag we are. Uh, Saquon Barkley, guys, he comes back after terrible ACL tear there in week two. Uh, super sad to lose him early, but he's back this year. Um, I, I'm really excited for Saquon, and, and we've seen time after time again, sometimes people come off these ACL tears, and they're better, and they're stronger, and, you know, they appreciate the game more. So I think we're going to see that as Saquon. He's a great individual. I followed him for many years, you know, before he got to the NFL. And he's a great kid. And I'm excited to see what happens up there. And Joe Judge is legit. Like, if you're a Giants fan out there, you should be celebrating because Joe Judge is a great head coach. He's changing the culture there in New York once again. And I'm happy with Saquon Barkley's my 105. Yeah, I mean, for me with Barkley, the, the, the trouble I have is I feel like I should rank him higher. Um, I feel like the, the same argument I made for Christian McCaffrey, you could make the same argument for Saquon Barkley. You know, I'm, he's not fresh. And also there was, there was that week one in 2020 where he had, what, 15 carries for six yards. What was funny about that is I remember all this panic around Saquon Barkley, and it just kind of highlights how much week one overreaction there is every year. I remember it being more of a panic like, Saquon, what's happening to Saquon? And then when I was researching, I was like, that was just one game. Then he got hurt. Like, that was one game. Again, against uh, the, the ferocious game. Steelers defense. Yeah, against the Steelers, you know, when they were still just un, un – you couldn't run them. So well, – And at the time, the Giants had one of the worst offensive lines in football. Like, through the first, like, six, eight weeks, their offensive line was rated horribly. It's true. It's true. But so the reason I think I probably should have Saquon higher, other than, you know, I think Saquon at five is probably – if you were to compare it across the industry might be our most controversial so far, because I think a lot, I think there's plenty of people out there that have him at two. Um, Cause vintage 2018 Saquon is number two. Um, so 
Absolutely. You know, the offensive line, you know, they were ranked 20th by PFF going into 2020. So that's not great, but it's not the worst. And it started off pretty terrible. But I mean, Wayne Goleman in a stretch from week 10, I think, what was it? Week 10, weeks, no, week seven to week 14. Yeah. The PPR RB 16. If Wayne Goleman can be the PPR RB 16, you know, and that included a game against Tampa Bay, included a game against uh, Washington. So that right there tells me that, you know, because there was just this taste that week one left in people's mouths that like, oh, no one can run for the Giants. But that's not true. Week one was actually that that game was actually kind of detrimental because one other thing that happened in that game was Benny Snell had 113 yards rushing and everybody was like, Snell's taken over. Connor's done. I burned yeah. a freaking waiver priority on Benny Snell. Yeah. Um, and then Darius Slayton had 102. So everybody's like, oh, this guy. And then he didn't, you know, so that was kind of a, a game skewed things for some people. But um, yeah, I basically what I would say is to get Saquon, if I was doing a redraft and I get him at five, I'm, I'm super happy about that. I'm super happy about that. Well, and don't forget, like people are scared off by that ACL tear and it was a bad one. But remember, AP tore his ACL came back in like record time to play the next season and ran for 2000 yards. Yeah. And I saw this article where Saquon, I mean, Saquon had reached out to Adrian Peterson. They had kind of connected mm -hmm. early on when he was a rookie, but in December he reached out about, you know, getting some, getting some tips, tricks of the trade for, for this rehab from his, from his ACL. So, you know, if, if AP spread any of his juju on him, you know, hopefully he'll be back and at least as healthy as he was. I mean, I feel like Saquon's more talented back than AP ever was. Easy. 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 And yeah. AP was, I mean, we're talking about a guy that there are points in his career that I would put him up with guys like Walter Payton and Gale Sears as far as, as, far as talent. Five's a little low, but I think given the injury in the Giants, I think it's fair for redraft. Well, it's that and that, I mean, the, the, other, the other four on our list are just, it's hard to argue with any of these five, really. Yeah. Yeah, gentlemen, uh, moving down our list here, coming in at six, and you know, this might be a little controversial. It's Travis Kelsey. He has been the tight end one five seasons in a row. And, you know, I, I know, you know, drafting a tight end in the top 10 is pretty ballsy, let alone the top six. But, I mean, at this point, like, if you're drafting Travis Kelsey year in and year out, you're making the playoffs every year and you have a shot at a title. Like, like the, the difference from Travis Kelsey and every other tight end in the league is huge. And, and I, I know every year I, I, I'm one of those guys who's been like, okay, the cliff's coming for Travis Kelsey. Like this is the year last year I, I was on the Zach Ertz train, thought maybe that would happen. Uh, you know, I, I've always had my guys, but I, I'm done. It's just like what you said about Tom Brady earlier in the show, Scott, I, I'm done doubting Travis Kelsey. Like this guy is unhuman. He has the best quarterback in the league, throw him the ball. And again, w when everything was shit, shit in the bed and, and she was hitting the fan on in the Super Bowl. Who's the one guy who was who was invaluable to the Chiefs? Obviously, he dropped a huge third down pass, probably one of the biggest drops of his career. But other than that, Travis Kelsey is super consistent, and I'm okay with taking him high up this year. I really am. He re he reminds me of Tony Gonzalez, where it was like until <clears throat> the day he retired, that man was fantasy relevant. It didn't matter. He just got it done. And I think Kelsey's the same way. Yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, 
personally, I'm not too taking him at six overall yet, but I am definitely, there probably has never been a time where I would have considered a tight end in the first round. Maybe, maybe like stud prime Gronk, but I would consider taking him at the end of the first round. It's that, it's that advantage you get at the tight end position. That's one. Um, and we're talking PPR. And so in PPR, he's just, it's even more of a, of a advantage, but here's some, here's some numbers. So uh, targets, he was sixth receptions. He was fifth yards. He was second touchdowns. He was fifth yards per game. Third that's amongst pass pass catchers. That's not tight ends. That is, you know, he is a, he is a wide receiver one. So if you look at him in that context, that, okay, he's actually a wide receiver one that goes in your tight end spot, then the, the first round, you can make, you can justify it in my, in my eyes. Um, and then you got the other things that aren't necessarily a direct correlation, but maybe they are. The percentage of championship and playoff fantasy teams that have Kelsey in, on their lineup. I mean, you can't really argue with that. Um, so, you know, and then there's something to be said for, you know, like whether you take him at, let's say, eighth or whether you take him at 11th, that's your first round pick. If you want Kelsey, that you don't necessarily look at it like that. No, you're not, you're not taking him number one overall, but in any round, really, if you're like, Oh, his ADP is, you know, his ADP is 2.2.11. And I'm here sitting here at 2.4. So I can't take him. Cause that's a, it's like, no, that's your second round pick. Like if you want that guy, he's a, go get him. So yeah, I mean, I probably, I still likely won't end up with Kelsey on my teams this year just because I'm not ballsy enough to pull the trigger on a tight end that early yet. Um, there's just something something that goes on in my brain where I'm like, oh, I passed up on this guy, I passed up on this guy. Um, but really, if you, if, you, if you consider him, if you look at him as a wide receiver, as a wide receiver one, and the points that a wide receiver one gets you, you can't really argue against it. I mean, Scott, when it comes down to it, like he could have easily led the league in receiving. He sat out week 17, you know, so obviously like like, he's a stud every year. And, and while I, while I certainly agree that it it is ballsy taking a tight end uh, in the first round, because if he doesn't pan out, you're really setting yourself in a hole. But if he's as consistent as he's been and you're a crafty fantasy football player and can find some value late with RBs. We've seen it every year. Guys like James Robinson popping off. If you can find those middle middle round wide receivers, the Calvin Ridleys, the DK Metcalfs, the Stephon Diggs of 2020, you'll be okay with Travis Kelsey. So that that's why I have him ranked as high as I do, and I think that's why Nate does as well. I understand the concern, but, I mean, you can't argue with the performances he's put up. Continuing to move down our list here, gentlemen, we have Nick Chubb coming in at the 107. He's ranked seventh in our consensus ranks, our way too early ranks. Um, Nick Chubb obviously banged up a little bit here in 2020. Uh, Kareem Hunt stepped up valiantly in his in his absence. But, you know, I, I think the biggest takeaway for Nick Chubb and why I think he's ranked so high this year, and obviously you guys can add your input as well, but we saw something from the Browns this year. We saw something from Kevin Stefanski. He's proven time in and time out that he can run with just about anyone back there. When he has a talented guy like Nick Chubb, he's going to get it done. Um, I'm excited for what Nick Chubb has in store, and I, I, I think he's a no-brainer, you know, middle of the first guy at this point. Nate, where are you at? So Stefanski likes to run that Kubiak system. So yeah. much the way that I love Dalvin Cook in the Minnesota system and – even with Kubiak's kid running it, 
Chubb's the same. Like they're gonna run the ball. So he was the PPR RB uh, RB twelve this year behind Kareem Hunt, but he only played in twelve games. That's pre- I mean, and if you watch if you watch him, you watch film of him, you watch Browns games. He runs with purpose, man. Like he doesn't stop. He gets first downs. He grinds. He can run. He can he can get out across the edge. He can separate himself, get around a corner. He can run between the tackles. He can find holes. He can pop. He can break tackles. He can block. He's like the whole package. And I feel like he's one of the more underrated running backs in the NFL, which sounds silly because he gets a lot of love. But I mean, for me, thinking about it again, I might've put him in my top five in these rankings if I had it to do over. I mean, I, I love Nick Chubb. I, I, I think he's a phenomenal back with, with what, this is his third season. I mean, the upside's ridiculous. And he doesn't get beat up. Like, he got hurt this year, but that's the first injury he's really had. And you put him in a backfield with a guy like Kareem Hunt, he's not going to have the wear and tear. He's a guy that's, unless there's a freak injury, he's going to be a guy who's durable. And even if he does get hurt when you get into the playoffs, he's still going to be valuable for you. Yeah, I mean, they're – Two, two, two players in the NFL that are, I would say, my favorite players. One is Nick Chubb. I love Nick Chubb. The other is A.J. Brown. I love A.J. Brown. So with Chubb, the reason I think, you know, I see it as a bit of a tear break between our top five running backs and then yes. Chubb. Um, and one of the bigger reasons for that is Kareem Hunt, and it is the 18 targets on the year for yeah. Chubb. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean – I agree. Like all around, you know, there's arguments to be made that, you know, as it's just an all around the, the talent of that running back, forget fantasy, that Nick Chubb is the the 101. There's arguments about that with using metrics, you know, I don't necessarily have a lot of experience with, but the eye test, the again, cliche, but set it and forget it nature of just plugging Nick Chubb in your lineup. Um, he's just another one of those big, backs that could also just hit a long home run at any moment from anywhere on the field. Um, another guy, I almost, it, sometimes in the, in the redraft world, you know, you, you hope for that, you hope for that sixth or seventh pick because you can still get a stud running back and then you get a better player coming around in the second. Um, he's one of those guys for me. Uh, I would be completely happy in a redraft league getting him. Um, the reason he's not up there is primarily because he just doesn't not I'm not saying he can't catch passes. I've seen him catch passes. He just that's just not that's not the way that their offense goes. Um they've got Kareem Hunt for that. They don't need Chubb. They they do, but I mean the one thing that could propel this is for the first time in I don't remember how long I'm excited about the Cleveland Browns offense next year. Right? Like I'm excited about Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb and you know where they're going. They you know I, I'm friends with some Steelers fans, but it was it was okay for me to see uh, them get that win in the playoffs. You know, good for Cleveland. But um, yeah, he's one of those guys that I think I think his floor is right around where we have him ranked. I think that's probably his floor. His ceiling, his ceiling. I mean, if he caught some passes, his ceiling would be RB one, just like any of the other guys that we've talked about. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm back with you guys here on this. I mean. Nick Chubb, I mean, even in 12 games, he he goes over 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons. 
Uh, obviously, his touchdowns improved. We love to see that. Um, a lot of people talked about his inefficiency in the goal uh, around the goal line in 2019. Uh, we kind of saw that skyrocket uh, in 2020, 12 touchdowns in just 12 games. So that was awesome to see. Um, and, and at the end of the day, this Browns line has improved. They went from being one of the, the very worst in 2019 to one of the top in 2020, according to PFF. So really excited to see what comes around with Nick Chubb. Um, and for once, I'm not dreading if I get that six or seven pick in my draft. And and normally I am. So, uh, yeah, spot on analysis there, guys. Um, moving down our list here, coming in at, at number eight is Devontae Adams. He was the wide receiver one um, in 2020. And it really wasn't close here. I, he obviously let us down in week 15 if you owned him in a couple leagues like I did and uh, ended up missing out in the playoffs. And he goes out and uh, drops a 40-burger in the championship. So that's a little bit of a hard pill to swallow. But um, the reason I was a little more down on Devontae Adams coming into 2021 here, um, you know, he was my number one ranked wide receiver coming into 2020. I was out on him in 2019. I came back around in 2020 just because of the pure lack of passing options there for Aaron Rodgers. Did I expect the season that he had and and how efficient Aaron Rodgers was and you know the, the 40 plus touchdowns? No, I, I wasn't expecting an MVP season out of Rodgers by any means, but I think coming back into 2021, um, I'm okay with taking Devontae Adams in the first round. Um, you guys seem a little more excited than I am on him. Nate, where are you at on Adams here? So I slept on him pretty hard this season. He just hit like, so he he kind of bit me in 2019. I drafted him pretty high. He didn't really perform, but he was hurt to be fair. But then, man, he is just a freak. Like he is he is an athletic freak that does things that no other receiver in football can do. Nobody, not even Mike Evans, not even Chris Godwin. Like none of those guys. He just he creates separation in a way that no other receiver in the league does. And if he's got Aaron Rodgers playing at an elite level in an MVP level, he's the best wide receiver in football. I don't think there's a question. What do you think, Scott? I agree. Um, I would honestly, he'd be my first pass catcher off the board, right along with those, those top five running backs, especially in a full PPR. Um, one of the most impressive things I saw was, let's see, he had 149 tar targets this year. He had one drop. Only one, and I bet it was probably slippery or something, whatever. <laughs> but you know, that's that's that is discipline, that is concentration on a whole nother level. Um, because I mean, drop passes are all about a you know, a lack of concentration, a lapse in concentration, trying to run before you have the ball, not looking it in. You know, it's it's I used to play a lot of baseball and you know, create you know, committing errors in the field, it was all about concentration, it wasn't necessarily about your talent. So that is just, that kind of blows my mind with that many targets um, that he only had one drop. Uh, and there were, you know, there are plenty of opportunities for drops because he had Aaron Rodgers, a very accurate passer, throwing it to him. So even more, even more impressive. Devonta Adams is a little bit like Derrick Henry in the sense that like pretty soon I'm not going to be as excited. I, you know, I don't necessarily know the, the future of Aaron Rodgers beyond next year. I mean, I guess we're not supposed to know next year because he said some stuff, but we'll be in Green Bay. Um, but for now, I just in a full PPR, the the way he has fed the ball, the way he just dominates cornerbacks, and I mean, 18 touchdowns last year. Granted, much like Kamara, he had one big blow up game, but still, 
18 touchdowns for a wide receiver is pretty significant. So I've still got him there. I mean, the, the, the next few guys I have on my wide receiver list are right there with him. But to me, he's the, he's the wide receiver one in redraft. I think the biggest question remaining with Devonte Adams, and we're not going to know this for a couple months, and and we'll, we'll be sure to react to it when it happens. But the Packers have to add another wide receiver. I obviously in that NFC Championship game, Tampa Bay shut Devonte Adams down, and and you know hats off to their secondary for not just shutting Devonte down, but coming back in the Super Bowl and shutting down Tyreek Hill. Uh, you know the week after, but I think they're going to add a wide receiver. I'm still not sure whether it will be you know, through free agency or whether it's going to be one of these younger guys coming up through the draft. But either way, Alan Lazard, I don't project as the, the wide receiver two in that offense, even though I love Alan Lazard. But so it, it, for me, my ranking is going to adjust drastically based on who they bring in as that, that second wide receiver. So uh, what, you don't yeah. like MBS? Let, let's not talk about MBS, Nate. Uh, those of you again new to the show, MVS, I'm definitely a hater in that camp. Um, been been that way for a while. Seriously, be careful! You're going to create an MVS club. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You have an act for creating clubs. Yeah. So uh, moving forward in our list here, guys, coming up at the 109 is Jonathan Taylor. He comes in our, at our ranks after a very disappointing start to the season. Um, a lot of hype coming in. He he did great in Week One, and after that. We didn't see uh, didn't see too much success for Johnny Taylor da- down the stretch until later in the year. Later in the year, he kind of caught fire once again. Finished with over 1,100 yards. Uh, you know, played brilliantly down the stretch. Uh, 11 touchdowns. Uh, added 36 receptions through through the air. So that was really nice to see. Um, the big thing with Jonathan Taylor that we don't know right now is the quarterback situation. We know Philip Rivers is gone. Thank God. Um, <laughs> But I, I think at the end of the day, Nate, you and I have been talking about this for th- three months, and I think it's going to become a reality is Carson Wentz is going to one way or not end up as an Indianapolis Colts. It, it's the only place that makes sense. I don't know what they can give up in exchange. Obviously, it seems like f- from the reports coming out of Philadelphia that um, Howie Roseman and that camp are asking way too much for Wentz. So obviously some negotiations have to happen. But I think if Carson Wentz lands in Indy like we're projecting, Nate, that Jonathan Taylor is a great back end of the first uh, RB to have here. I suppose a part of the reason that I'm not as high on Jonathan Taylor as everybody else is, is because there's too much up in the air. I mean, sure. They, it sounds like they're, we're all kind of projecting that Wentz is going to end up in Indy. It makes the most sense. Reunited with Frank Reich. Frank Reich took him to a 13 and three. Well, what were they? They were like 11 and two when he got hurt. that mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Then Foles took over. So obviously he works well with Reich, but what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't end up there? Because we've heard a lot of Chicago talk as well. So then, who does Indy roll out? Because it, uh, do they go get Jameis Winston? Do they try and roll out Jacoby Brissett? No. Do they go ahead with Jacob Eason? Eason concerns me less than Brissett, I think, and that's kind of where I'm stuck on Jonathan Taylor is the amount of unknown in that indie situation is a little too much for me to, but of course, when it, this is why it's all way too early because by the time we're drafting redraft, we're going to know all of this. Just for right now, there's too much up in the air for me to, to even mm-hmm. have him really in 12. Yeah, no, no, no. And that's understandable. I think it comes back to me, the, the Colts, what are their strengths? Their offensive line, 
Uh, and obviously they have two young studs in both Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, your guy, Nate. Yes. Um, so, yes. Yeah. Ten, maybe. <laughs> I didn't get into somebody with it today, with a, with a, somebody about it today at all, not even a little bit. Just a little. Continuing down our list here, guys, um, we, we have coming in at the 10th the overall and talk about unknowns. It, it's here with Aaron Jones. Comes back after another great fantasy football season. And he's another guy like I'm tired of doubting. I, I really am. And I had him in my personal ranks up in that top six. And I think if he lands somewhere nice or happens to somehow squeeze back into Green Bay, I, I'm not projecting that he does. The cap situation really doesn't make sense for me for me to project him that way. But I think either way, uh, wherever Aaron Jones lands, I think he's going to be a, a top 10 back again. I mean, I doubted him last year. I took Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs over him in a lot of places, and it really burned me. And, I mean, the, the guy's a freak. I don't really know what else to say about it. Um, he was obviously the, one of the best players on the Packers the last couple of years and one of the best in the league. Um, Scott, you, you were pretty high on Aaron Jones as well, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, I'm pretty high. I think, I mean, I had him right at tail end of round one, early round two, that general area. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, he's another one of those guys where if he goes somewhere and he gets consistent majority carries, that was the problem in Green Bay is he would, he would just disappear. And for whatever reason, I don't pretend to know um, the strategies that the coaches are using with their run games based on the defense and all that kind of stuff. One thing that gets a little annoying in the fantasy community is how mad we get at coaches when they're doing certain things. Like for instance, not running Ronald Jones enough all year. Meanwhile, they're ho hoisting the Lombardi trophy. So what do we know? But anyway, for fantasy, um, I think, I think the talent is there. I think he's obviously shown that in certain games that he's just the best player on the field. Um, so the reason I don't have him a little bit higher, I would say, is just because right now, you know, he in Green Bay, he hasn't just he hasn't been utilized enough to be in that like top six, top seven range. Um, and if he goes somewhere else, which I kind of hope he, he does, that would be exciting, you know, like Buffalo or Atlanta or something like that. Pending cap space, you know, um, th there's still that unknown of a new team. So. Not to, not to necessarily knock him. I think late first, early second is a great spot for him. Yeah, yeah and I totally understand the concerns because you're right. Like, obviously, there was something lacking there. He only saw 20 carries once all season, which seems absolutely absurd for a guy of the quality and the talent of Aaron Jones. So I think this guy has a chip on his shoulder. He was drafted pretty late in that, that amazing 2017 draft class, so... I'm excited to see what Aaron Jones can do down the stretch. Obviously, a lot of unknowns. Continuing down here, guys, coming in at our uh, number 11 ranked overall, our number two wide receiver off the board here for 2021, our way too early rankings, it's Tyreek Hill. This is another player that, I'll be honest, I, I was out on Tyreek Hill in 2020. I thought, uh, you know, the one thing he always lacked was that consistency. You looked at his consistency score, and they were closer to Amari Cooper other than Michael, Tom, you know, than rather than Michael Thomas. And, and that really doesn't go, bode well for me. I love the guys who can, you know, explode for 40 points, but I don't want to have seven points from a, my wide receiver one. Well, turns out in 2020, uh, Tyree Kill was one of the most consistent wide receivers across the board. Mahomes um, finally found him inconsistency. And I, I think he's going to be a big part of it in 2021. 
once again. And I'm excited for Tyreek Hill. And even though I'm not a, a fan of him personally and, and, you know, what he does in, off the field. And, and, you know, obviously that does detract from me wanting to draft him a little bit because it's hard to root for a player like that. But he's still he's still a top 12 talent in the league. And I think he deserves to go in the in the top 12 picks fantasy drafts. He was number two, wide receiver two on the year. And he, much like Kelsey, has the Mahomes factor. You know, Mahomes is the one throwing both of these guys the ball for the foreseeable future. And don't talk to me about the Super Bowl. Just to, that I, I don't want to talk about the, the argument that Mahomes was bad in the Super Bowl or is he losing a step and all that kind of stuff. Just put it out is of your mind, folks. He's a step. He's like 25. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I mean, Daryl Williams catches that ball instead of it bouncing off his face mask. I mean, that's like one of the best plays in NFL history. I mean, yeah. so just stop. Anyway, um, yeah, again, I mean, I, you know, I'm not a fan of the guy personally for, for well-known reasons. And I drafted um, him to prison. <laughs> I mean, and I mean to, I, speak, to, to speak to that for just a second, like I know there's some people that, you know, they, they don't like a guy for whatever off-field reasons. They don't draft him. There's other people that are just like, well, no, objectively – compartmentalize just do your thing whatever 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 you want to do i personally go both ways but um if you don't want to draft a guy because you don't like who he is then by all means don't draft him um but strictly fantasy speaking uh i just i mean you could him and him and Diggs probably somewhat interchangeable in my mind yeah Again, when we're doing these kind of when we're doing these kind of rankings it, it, it gets like that you know, it's when you get into the third, fourth, fifth round, that's when you can really, really dig into some arguments. But, um, yeah, I think wide receiver two off the board, end of first, works for me. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean. It's fair. it's fair. I mean, talent-wise, yeah. And I think at the end of the day, Nate, like the biggest thing is like 10 out of 15 games this year, Tyreek Hill saw double digits receptions. That's huge. We never saw that in his career. So that's super cool to see that. Um I think, you know, he, he's obviously has Mahomes locked up for the next, what, nine or so years. So uh, he, he's still a solid dynasty asset moving forward as well. Um, but gentlemen, to round it out here, our 12th and final player we're going to go through today, um, Stefan Diggs. He comes in at our 12th overall player, our third wide receiver. And it really was a career year for Stefan Diggs. And, and I'll be the first one to admit, pie on my face. I was out on Stephon Diggs in 2020 for the most part. Um, I was really concerned because uh, before last season, since 2013, there was only one wide receiver who had changed teams and was a wide receiver one. That was Brandon Marshall with the Jets, that one insane year that he just got fed. And so I was really concerned with him. I was a little lower on Hopkins than maybe the consensus, and I was proven wrong. Um, Obviously, Stephon Diggs is a better talent than – Nate's buddy, Kirk Cousins, let us see the last couple of years. So, uh, I mean, you can't argue with what it, what it was. 127 receptions, over 1,500 yards, obviously only eight touchdowns. That's a little weird to see. But I think, like, I know positive regression is kind of a meme in this industry. But, you know, some positive regression is coming his way. Like, like he's going to score more touchdowns in 2021 than he did in 2020 if he stays healthy. And and I, I will bookmark that one right now. Um Guys, how, how are you feeling about Stefan Diggs as we kind of round it out here? So I was one of those people that couldn't believe people like you who are fading Diggs. Like I just 
Josh Allen. So, well, I guess I suppose that's part of it. I saw Josh Allen being a great quarterback. A lot of people didn't think he was going to be a great quarterback. I always thought it was there. I wasn't surprised this season when he was, he had the improved accuracy, the improved arm strength, like cut down on interceptions, beefed up on his completion percentage. I wasn't surprised. I know a lot of people were. <clears throat> I think Diggs is a guy who I'm not just like high on him on redraft, but like in dynasty, he's a guy I'm going to grab in the second round because the talent's there and it's a long term there. That offense is set up to succeed. For years, they need a running back. Yes. They need a guy to complement Singletary. Playoff Lenny. I'm, no, 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 no. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Can you imagine the ridiculousness of Aaron Jones in that Buffalo offense? But I digress. Stefan Diggs is a guy who's going to be around and going to be a force for the next like five to six years. He's not going anywhere. He's he's physical, he's quick. But more importantly, like he just has good hands and he can get downfield. And for a guy like Josh Allen, I mean, that's like your dream. And then you throw in guys like Gabe Davis and Cole Beasley, who you're forcing defenses to also cover these guys. So they can't like they can't box up on digs because if you box up on digs, Davis is going to beat you. John Brown's going to beat you. Cole Beasley's going to beat you. Diggs is a guy that I want. I mean, he's a first-round guy for me next year. Obviously, with these top, with these in the top twelve rankings, I would if I'm if I've got the twelfth pick, I'm taking him. He's as simple as that. He's phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. I remember back in you know a few years back in Minnesota, there was a lot of talk and I mean a lot of flashes of the talent. But I remember, I don't remember who it was. It was on ESPN or CBS, but they were talking about don't look at the numbers. This this kid could be the best wide receiver in this league. I'm talking about Stefan Dix. Now, in in fantasy, you know, again, there were flashes. There were moments where he was dominant, but it just never fully clicked in Minnesota um, because of Nate's favorite quarterback in the NFL. So once he went to Buffalo, and I mean, it's also it's also tied to Josh Allen making an astronomical leap, it seems, from year two to three, you know, specifically with accuracy. Um, but chicken or egg, you know, did did Diggs help with that? And now it will continue. You know, that's kind of the discussion point. But to me, I mean, you know, sometimes with certain players, when they have a big blow up season, you know, you want to, you're tempted to say, oh, well, well, you just saw their best season. I don't think that's the case with Diggs. Again, because I think he could, he could have easily had more touchdowns. So it's a, it's a team that throws, it's a, it's a quarterback who has improved to get him the ball. Um, his catch percentage is 76.5% catch percentage. So, I mean, he just catches, he catches everything is that his average depth of target is 10.1. So it's not, it's not sky high, but he's not, he's not out there catching six yard passes to right. get that 76% catch percentage. He's catching, he's catching pretty, pretty lengthy passes. So to me, you know, it's, it, I think his ceiling is higher. I think his ceiling is wide receiver one. Um, he's younger than Devonte Adams. Um, you know, a lot of it, again, depends on Josh Allen. Um, it depends on if they do, you know, find a running back and cut, cut into his targets a little bit. Um, I don't know about Aaron Jones, Nate, cause they're according to over the cap, they're 1.8 yep. million in the red. Yep. So they'll have to get pretty creative, but, um, I, I mean, aside from cap space issues, I would love to see Aaron Jones in Buffalo. I think that would be awesome. 
So, so yeah, I mean, he's just, he's wide receiver three for me and wide receivers and in a PPR league, wide receiver three is going in the first round typically. Certainly. I, I can't argue with, with, with any of that gentlemen. Um, I can't argue with much of anything you guys said today. Um, it, it's been a great first episode. Uh, I'm so happy just to be back with you guys. Um, it feels like forever since the last time we did this, but as soon as we hopped on, it felt like we never left. So uh, again, we're going to be here all off season long. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you are, we'll be there. Um, you can catch the audio version, whether that's on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening. You can catch that on Fridays as well. So uh, thank you again for everything that uh, all the support so far this season. Uh, it, it's been amazing. Um, does anyone have any uh, quick hit, uh, you know, final thoughts, life, life related, fantasy related as we kind of round it out here? Well, as the new year starts, guys. The pandemic, we're like this close, yes. this close. So just keep wearing a mask. If you need to wear two, if you need to wear three, whatever you need to do, we're, we're so close, guys. We're almost out of this. We can go back to normal. We can have a normal football season. We can maybe have like shades of a normal like MLB season. Just just a little bit of patience. Just a little bit. Just a little little tiny bit. And also, I missed you guys. <laughs> Miss you too, buddy. Thank you, Nate. Yeah, for me, um, one quick fantasy thing, since we're talking redraft, the way it looks right now, just keep it in mind that I, I feel like the second round of redrafts has tons of, of value. The second round, we've got some wide receivers in there, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley. I mean, you've got some, you've got some, some value in the second round. So keep that in mind. Um, as far as outside of fantasy, yeah, uh, it's a new year. I mean, I guess it's fantasy related in, in some ways, you know, be, just be better to each other. Uh, fight that urge, fight that urge to um, argue and in, a, in like a disrespectful way. I've seen it a lot where, you know, I mean, it's February. We're, we're making, everybody's doing their best to speculate and try and guess what's going to happen next year or in the draft or in free agency. Mm -hmm. And it's totally fine if if you see somebody else's opinion on something like that as ludicrous. That's fine, but you don't. It doesn't need to be this big, massive, dramatic argument because um, no one knows. You know, all we're all we're doing out here is trying to increase the chances of being right. You know, trying to minimize the risk. So just be better to each other. I'm not. I'm not obviously talking about everybody. Just um, ignore the trolls. Just ignore them. Um, Let's see what else. I appreciate one quick thing. I appreciate um, the feedback I've gotten and some of the conversations that have led or sprung from the, the article I released earlier this week, the Monday's article. Uh, I really appreciate everybody that's read it. And um, like I said, a fair amount of people have reached out and it started discussions about not fantasy. And that's what in between media, that's what we want. Um, you know, we want to help you obviously win a trophy, but We'd also love to help you just get through today as well. Win the trophy of life. Absolutely. Scott, thank you. That was uh, that was a great way to put wrap a bow on tonight's episode. Um, it's been amazing as always having you guys here. And you know, Scott really put hit it on the head there, guys. We are uh, you know, we're a fantasy sports company at the end of the day, but we're also here to help you through, you know, this, it's a crazy time right now. And we're going to be here every step of the way. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Nate's at Janate Jack FF. 
Uh, Scott is at Munder Difflin FF. I'm between underscore Seth FF. Um, until next time, guys, keep it in between. And thanks again for joining us tonight. Keep it real. You know, we've talked a lot about this in between media this season. There's going to be curveballs coming your way. Hate's a strong word. I dislike Kirk Cousins more than probably any other quarterback. In the I get a little bit of that rookie-itis, you know? I would have said, I would love some of what you're Even though I'm straight, I'm still stuck between an interpretation, what it all means. Can I make a difference for something different? My mind in prison, then I saw the vision. Played the field, it's no competition. Found success through the repetition. If it's impossible, stick to the mission. I'm just cruising through on my way to get it. I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. Thank you.